guys, for those of you who don't know uh, or are with us for the first time, we're studying the book of Galatians. Uh, We have arrived at chapter 3, verse 26 uh, in our study of that book. But what we did about, um, I don't know, six weeks ago maybe now? Maybe five weeks ago. um, We kind of took off on a tangent uh, based on something said in the text. Um, In verse 26, you you find, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You, You notice that word sons. Uh, that is very, uh, very deliberately contrasted with, um, uh, with a slave-like mentality up in, uh, in the earlier verses of 21 through 25. And then in chapter 4, I, I draw, we haven't gotten here yet, but I did draw your attention to the, uh, the statement in verse 5 where um, the term adoption is, uh, meant, uh, is mentioned. Uh, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So there's that sons word again. Um, there is the adoption word. And so what, we, what I did is just kind of take us off um, onto a theological tangent. It's not tangential, but it's, it's not in the text. It's, I mean, we're not, we're not continuing to unfold the text. We're, we're, we've taken a few weeks just to talk about this thing uh, known as adoption, uh, a neglected doctrine, a neglected doctrine by me. And so I wanted to try and correct my failings. Um, so that's what we're up to. We, uh, we're going to do it tonight, and then, Lord willing, one more week next week. And then, you know, we have the congregational meeting on the 2nd of December, and then we're off for those, those uh, rest of the, the Wednesday nights in December. And then when we come back in January, January the 6th, I think it is, um, we'll resume Galatians chapter 3 at verse 26 and, and take off from there. So there's the plan. What I want to do tonight is, uh, can, I said this last week, um, I, I want to continue um, in my role as a counselor-in-chief. Um, I, I, I'm trying to offer some things that would um, make us healthier, um, spiritually healthier, um, based on the promises and the truths that are contained in this, that are, that are bound up in this whole idea of adoption. Um, I said to you, I, I think there is a, a good deal of illness among all of us because we, we cut our teeth on legalism. I mean, we're, we're basically got legal tendencies. Our default mode is to jump back into a legal approach to things which, which manifests itself in our are um, are seeking to perform our way into God's favor, um, and so th- that's kind of what we said last week. And so we're going to continue that uh, just um, uh, tr- trying to get a, a um, an understanding of it, such that it might um, lend itself to greater spiritual health. That's what I'm doing. To do that tonight, I've got um, one, two, three, four. Uh, I've got about four quotes for you, Um, quotes that I'm going to read that are from some of my heroes, Um, and then we're going to talk about the quotes. Um, Just, I I want you to hear what these guys have to say about this whole issue, and then I want to, I want to try to explain what they've just said, but it's not like I need to explain it, I think you'll understand it, but. There are things that are in these quotes that I think are, are, make for good fodder for a discussion. So, here's the first one. 
It comes from J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. I've mentioned it to you before. But um, uh, Packer is one of my heroes. Um, wrote a book back in the 70s called Knowing God. If you haven't read it, it is, um, it is a book that you ought to buy and read. Um, and this is from that book, the chapter on adoption. It's uh, four or five sentences, um, but he, he addresses an issue. Here it is. I have heard it seriously argued that the thought of divine fatherhood can mean nothing to those whose human father was inadequate, lacking wisdom, affection, or both, nor to those many whose um, misfortune it was to have a fatherless upbringing. Now, you see what he said? He said, there is the suggestion made by some that I'm never going to get this whole fatherhood of God thing because I had such a bad earthly father. And because I have such a distorted concept of my earthly father, I'll never, I'll never come to any kind of rich grasp of God as my father. Here's what he says to that. That's silly. For it is just not true to suggest that in the realm of personal relations, positive concepts cannot be formed by contrast. You get that. It's a a straw man to say that I cannot form a positive concept just because I've been exposed to the, the negative concept. The truth is, he goes on, that all of us have a positive ideal of fatherhood by which we judge our own and our other's father's flaws. How else would be, how else could we be unhappy with our bad fathers? Do you get that? I've got this, I've got a concept, uh, a positive ideal of fatherhood. I've got one. What a, what a good father would look like. Um, and if I didn't have that, how would I be able to uh, uh, assess my bad father? I have a, a positive ideal of fatherhood by which we judge our own, uh, uh, our own and other fathers. And it can safely be said that the person for whom the thought of God's perfect fatherhood is meaningless or repellent does not exist. That person who states that I'll never get this because I had such a bad father, inadequate, broken, bruised, you know, uh, inconsistent. <laughs> that is the description of all of us. Um, because I had such a bad father, I'll never get this that you're teaching up there, Dr. Jab Packer says that's nonsense. It's nonsense. We do have a positive ideal of what, as to what fatherhood should look like. And we measure bad fathers by that positive ideal. And so this, this suggestion that there's a person out there for whom the thought of God's perfect fatherhood is meaningless or repellent, it's non-existent. So don't blame your difficulty in getting this on your bad father. We all have bad fathers. 
we're all inadequate fathers. But that's not, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that we can't get this. I'm going to give you a reason in a minute why we don't get it. But that ain't it. Okay? So uh, d- dispense with that nonsense and, and do so hurriedly. Now, here's the, um, here's the second quote. And this is from a guy by the name of Sinclair Ferguson. You may not know him very well. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson, uh, in, in the minds of many, is one of the, the most articulate teachers of this thing called adoption. Uh, this is from his book, Children of the Living God. Um, now, gang, um, come on, listen up. You know, you've had lots of coffee, you're awake, and your grocery shopping's already been done. Um, you need to hear this, not because I said it, but because Sinclair Ferguson said it, and it's rich. And, and it gets richer, by the way. I mean, later on. Adoption, I'm quoting, adoption is not a change in nature, but a change in status. If we fail to see that truth, we will miss the power of adoption. Adoption is a declaration God makes about us. And in that regard, ladies and gentlemen, that means it's very similar to justification by faith. Because justification by faith is also a declaration. It's a de- justification by faith is a declaration that you're not guilty based on the merits of Jesus Christ imputed to you. This declaration is different. Um, it is a declaration something like this. You are my son. Today I brought you into my family. It doesn't change your nature. You're still a rebellious twit. We're still rebellious twits. But God has transferred us from an alien family into his, and he's called us his sons. It's not a change of nature. It's a change of status. Um, It is irreversible, dependent entirely upon his gracious choice, in which he says, you are my sons. Now, gang, um, if you, if you get that, if you begin to get that, then, then practically speaking, what it's supposed to foster is some sense of, of security. Um, so that we can relax. Now, you know, when I say relax, some, certain things come into people's minds. I'm not saying that we can disobey. I'm just saying that we can relax and stop all of this striving to get God to like us. Some of you, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see some more of this in a minute, but some of you in your church work are downright pathological. Because it's, it's your effort to get God to like you. 
And he has said, irreversibly, completely dependent upon his gracious choice, you are my son. This is from another one of my heroes, John Owen. John Owen was the, was the theologian of the Puritans. There's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no theologian alive today that can match him. There's no three theologians that can match him. He is, anyway, he says, if the love of a father will not make a child delight in him, what will? See, if you're striving out there to get God to like you, very frankly, you're ill. You're spiritually ill. And one of the things that I think that I hope adoption will do for you is to um, lead us to a greater sense of health. Now, my next one is my favorite one. Actually, both, I only got two more, and we've got 20 minutes left. I only got two more quotes, but this one is from Sinclair Ferguson, too. Um, listen to this, guys. We all have a native inability to believe that salvation is entirely of God's grace and love. There's more, but is that not the truth? We find, we have a native inability to really bask in a gospel of free grace. Oh, we come into the kingdom, you know, uh, oh yeah, we got to put our trust in Jesus. And and I, I don't mean to make light of that. But from then on, Got this desperate effort to try to make God love me. And every time something negative happens to me, I'm convinced he doesn't love me. He's getting me. We all have a native inability to believe. By the way, Because of that native inability. Martin Luther said, justification by faith should be in every sermon. I get criticized because, well, you know, you've already taught us that. Well, yeah, I have. A lot. We still don't get it. Because we have a native inability to believe that salvation is entirely of God's grace and love. Listen, we are slow to realize the implications of that. We are sons. But we are in danger of having the mindset of hired servants. Furthermore, If there is nothing else the devil can do to mar our joy in Christ, he will try to produce in us what our forefathers used to call a bondage frame of spirit. 
That is why God has sent us a spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit, which is mentioned in Romans 8.15. You do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Go back to the quote, guys. The native inability. The devil, um, if there is nothing else the devil can do to mar our joy in Christ. But he often succeeds in marring our joy in Christ. Um, gang, do you remember, do you remember Genesis chapter 3? Um, if you don't know Genesis chapter 3, you don't know the, the whole story of redemption. I mean, you know, you got Genesis 1 creation, Genesis 2 creation B, and Genesis 3, the whole story of redemption begins. You got two chapters of creation, and then we have Adam and Eve in the garden being tempted by the devil. And you remember the devil comes uh, to, um, to Eve, and he says, He says with a sneer in his voice. (laughs) Did God really say that you can't eat of all the trees in the garden? And you remember, Eve replies, and in her reply, she misquotes God. Because she talks about, and touch it. God never said don't touch it. He said don't eat of it. But she adds, and then here's what Satan says. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, much of what he said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, I think it is, you still believe. He says, "Um, you will not surely die. That's not the part I want you to get. Here's the part. But God knows. God knows that if you eat, you'll be like God. Now, guys, do you know what's in that? Do you know what he's suggesting? He's suggesting that God is not good. God knows (laughs) that if you eat that, You're going to be set free. And ultimately, God is mean. And if you trust in that God, he'll hurt you. And we believe that. Sinclair Ferguson tells us, he has a little story in his book about a dad. (laughs) You know, Um, we raised three girls. Um, of course, when they were little, that's when I used to be happy. Um, <laughs> then they grew up into adults, and now I'm miserable. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, if you ever had small children, you remember some of the, just, delights. But Ferguson tells this story about, I mean, it's just a story. I mean, it's not a true story. It's just an illustration. And um, about a father who takes his son into a a toy store. You know, one of those big ones in New York. 
What's the name of the thing? What is it? Yeah, I knew you'd know. <laughs> Y'all probably Christmas shop up there, don't you? <clears throat> so you take your children into FAO Schwartz Burger. <laughs> and, um, and your little boy is, you know, just knee-high to a grasshopper. And, and um, you as the daddy, you take him over to the, the guns, you know, the toy guns. And you get one of those that's got the, you know, and you, and you take it off the shelf. And you say to your little boy, son, what do you think about this? Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy, that's just wonderful. Son, would you like one of those? Oh, daddy, I'd love one of those. I'd love one of those. Fine, put it back on the shelf. And then he goes to another section. Takes down a computer. Brings it off and he says, son, look here. What do you think? Oh, daddy, I'd love to have that. Yeah, no, yeah, give me one of those, please. And then when you've gone all through the whole store, you take your son by the hand and you say, son, you're not getting any of that. Ha! You know why I brought you here? To tell you you're not getting any of it. That's the way we think of God. Because he knows, says Satan, if you ate of the fruit, you'd be like him. But he's mean. And you can't trust the fact that he says he loves you. That, ladies and gentlemen, was the temptation leveled at Eve in Genesis 3. And it lives on today in the mind of the people of God. I cannot trust that he really, really, really loves me. If there is nothing else the devil can do to mar our joy in Christ, he will try to produce in us what our forefathers used to call a bondage frame of spirit. He's not good. You can sit up there, Dr. Young, all you want to and rant and rave about how I'm a son But you know what? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, I know it states it here, but I don't believe it. That can't be true. He just takes me to toy stores and tells me what I can't have. Success. on the part of the devil, in making his people ill. Ill, we're ill. Um, I got one more, and um, I got 11 minutes left. And, uh, but this, this one is pretty important, guys, because... Um, all right, let me, let me just get going and, and we'll... Um, 
now it's based on the text, uh, Romans 8.15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him, that is the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Now this quote is from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Now I hate to quote Lloyd-Jones in front of y'all, because then you'll know where I get all my stuff. Um, Lloyd-Jones is the prince of expositors. Um, you know, I'm trying to whittle down my library because, you know, I just, I don't have any place to put it. Um, and, and I, you know, I guess I got to give a lot of those books away, but the one thing I'll never give away is a Martin Lloyd-Jones commentary. Many a night has Martin Lloyd-Jones allowed me to sleep because of his, because of his treatment of the text. Listen. Now, guys, you're sitting out there thinking, well, the reason that I can't get this is because I had such a bad father. And, you know, uh, what's his face? Packer says that's nonsense. But do you want to know the real reason we can't get it? Here we go. Abba was the word, this is Lloyd-Jones, was the word that was used familiarly by children talking to their fathers. A child does not always address his father as father. He uses terms such as papa, dad. That is the kind of meaning represented by this word, Abba. It was a word lisped by a little child. Okay? We've heard that before. But you haven't heard this before. But let us notice the word cry. And by him we cry. Abba, Father. It is a very strong word. And clearly the apostle has used it quite deliberately. It means a loud cry. It expresses deep emotion. What then does it imply? Obviously, says Lord Jones, real knowledge of God. There you go. God is no longer to us a distant God. He is not merely a God in whom we believe intellectually, theologically, theoretically, doctrinally only. All this is possible to one who's not a child of God at all. Our worship and praying are, um, are spontaneous. It is the spontaneity of the child who sees the Father, and not only spontaneity, but confidence. A little child has confidence. He does not analyze it. He knows. He knows that Abba is his father. Grown-ups may be standing back at a distance and being very formal with some great person. But the little child comes running in, rushes right in and holds on to his father's legs. He has a right. That no one else has. It is instinctive. 
we cry. We cry. Abba, Father. And Lord Jones is saying what that implies is there is a deep familiarity that we have with this God. Ladies and gentlemen, the missing piece in the formula of our getting adoption is that we do not have that. A deep knowledge of God. For many of you, you depend on a 35 little minute ditty from me every Sunday morning to give you your knowledge of God. Ain't going to work, ladies and gentlemen, it ain't going to work. And so we continue to be. We continue to have our... The devil continues to mar. To mar our joy in Christ. Boy, ain't that the truth. And um, this cry. Forget the Abba thing. That's, you know, there's books by that title. But but Lloyd-Jones like nobody else can do, fixes our attention on we cry. We cry to him because we know him. And to not know him is to not be able to cry. And to not be able to cry is to not know that you're a son. And to not know you're a son is to leave you in the bondage frame of spirit. (laughs) And so we've got all of these pathologies. You know, I mentioned anger and fear and insecurity last week. But we'll get to more next week. But the, uh, the solution, my brother and sister in Christ, is found in an ongoing, increasing under-awareness of who God is and what he's like. And that's to be found in one place. I'll tell you a story and I'll quit. Um, let's see. This story, I mean, I'm not smart enough to think this stuff up, guys. This is from Thomas uh, Goodwin. Um, Thomas Goodwin was an old Puritan and um, um, well thought of. Um, in, um, in the Christian community, and particularly in the Reformed world, um, but Thomas Goodwin uh, told this story. Uh, he said, um, there's, a, there's a father who's walking down the sidewalk with his son, his little son, and he's holding his hand. You know, they're walking down that sidewalk, you know, you know and, and he's holding his son's hand. And then for whatever strange reason, the father stops picks up his son and hugs him. Now, does that hug make him any more of a son than when he was walking hand in hand? Of course not. He's no more of a son. 
But what does it do? It changes his whole enjoyment of the Father. And it's that hug, ladies and gentlemen, that being drawn nigh that most of us, including me, is missing. Uh, There's not a whole lot of enjoyment. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones said it on another occasion. And, And boy, this is shocking. The greatest sin among Christians. What would you say? Well, you know, there's uh, pornography in uh, three out of ten of the men, and, uh, you know, the church, that's terrible. It is terrible. It's, it's ludicrous. It's unthinkable that three out of ten men are hitting websites like that. I mean, it's unthinkable. That's, uh, well, that's not, um, it's, um, it's, there's, there's so many affairs going on among, you know, Jesus professing people. Boy, that's awful, too. That's really terrible. I mean, I mean that. But here's what Lloyd-Jones says. He said, the greatest sin among Christians is that we're not happy. It is as if we believe that access to the Father has been denied. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a lie of the devil, robbing us of joy that is legitimately ours, and robbing us of health, just spiritual health which we'll talk some more about next week. Let's quit. Our Father, I pray that you will remind your people of who we are, not because our nature has gotten any different, but because our status has. That um, based on the proclamation of the word of God, that we are sons by faith in Jesus Christ. Might that resonate in the hearts of your people, and, and um, Lord, you, you have called us up short because we do not know you. And thus, we do not have the kind of confidence in you. And it is because we have been robbed of it by the enemy of our souls. And part of it's because we have neglected to to search for you. Would you give us the appetite, Lord, um, by, the, by the indwelling power of the Spirit, uh, in, enlarge our hearts such that we might have more of you. Give us, give us more of yourself. We ask all of this, of course, in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. Stick around.